Welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of GoombaStomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. Joining us, we have games editor Mark Kalaroff. Drop everything and vote Kirby. Best fan <laughs> of the game. Do it now. Just pause I, I, Pause yes. the show. Great. Go vote. I, wait a second. Hold on. Are we? Are, is everyone eligible to vote? I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> <laughs> this, does the, this is the vote that matters, Cameron. This is, this this is, is the one. I mean, we do live the in The U.S. America, wasn't so. paying it. Yeah. But we weren't paying attention the last month. But this is the time where you have to vote. This is this is what matters. The, the, the fate the, of democracy hinges on Kirby, as it <laughs> always right. does. That's uh, right. Uh, chiming in here, we have indie games editor Campbell Gill. I will say, though, I think that the Unexpress Nintendo podcast was snubbed for best gaming podcast this year. So, uh, yeah, where's my where's my nom for uh, for best uh, content creator? Um, mm-hmm. Let's. It's fine. We'll 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 give Jeff the uh, the benefit of the doubt on this one. Um, yeah, so Nibel we, gets one. He's not even on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Where's he going like to say a, thank you? That's like a condolences uh, <laughs> gift right there. That's so funny. Although um, he should so, win. <laughs> listen, I, I, I don't know who any of these people are, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer exactly. to you guys. Exactly. That's, that's why he should win. No, that's why he should recognize. <laughs> And he's the, the worst casualty of Twitter so far. That's so. <laughs> very funny. Um, so we are, of course, referring to uh, Jeff Keighley's Game Awards, which just had their uh, announcements, or nominees, I should say, <laughs> not the announcements, their nominees uh, revealed this week. Um, some interesting choices, some some very expected choices, and a few curveballs, which was kind of cool. Uh, notably, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 being nominated for mm-hmm. Game of the Year, up against... Um, God of War Ragnarok, Stray. It won't win. Um, <laughs> I don't think it'll win. Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Elden Ring, of course. Um yeah, you guys know I, I love Xenoblade one. Three. I'm uh, I'm kind of rooting for God of War right now, even though I haven't finished <laughs> the game yet. That's awesome. Um, yeah, very very cool that um, you know, like the the Switch big RPG or one of the Switch big RPGs of the mm-hmm. year Made is in it. fact nominated for Game of the Year. Some that's actually like that is unusual. Obviously, like you know the the big. Obviously, the very hype games tend to be the ones. I feel that like for, for the, the last like three years, Nintendo has had a nomination for Game of the Year. They Wasn't have. Smash yeah. Brothers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Smash. Smash Brothers was Me- Metroid, yeah, and Animal Red. Crossing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Smash was nominated in 2019, which was a full year mm-hmm. after it released at the end of 2018, which I thought was kind of yes. funny. Because yeah. it came out the day of the Game Awards, exactly right. Because so there's like yeah, so, the next year. similar similar to the Oscars. There's like some weird cutoff, um, you know, cutoff eligibility times when when mm-hmm. the uh, you know who's who is eligible, who is not uh, yeah. for for the. Award. Like I'm sure Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, I assume, will uh, end up in like the family category next year. I would be shocked if it didn't. Exactly. Um, also, Xenoblade got a nod for I think score. Am I wrong about that? That's yes, correct. It did. Yep. Which it Which should, uh, yeah, it deserves you, you that think one. It should, there we go. So <laughs> perhaps it'll perhaps it'll pick up some noms there. And Nintendo actually did have some good representation in the indie uh, categories as well. Mm-hmm. Neon White is on there, um, and 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 though some of these games are multi-platform, Cult of the Lamb, Sifu, and Tunic are also available on Switch. 
Um, I don't know if Sifu's out on Switch just yet at the time of this recording, but it... Uh, it is. It's out. Okay, great, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, if you do, you know, these games, I think, are all very well-deserving of, of their best indie of the year status, and... Uh, I don't know. I know Cult of Lamb had some issues on Switch when it first came out, but I imagine some of that's been patched out at this point, I would hope. Um, Sifu, I have yet to hear whether or not it's terrible or good on Switch, but I, I imagine it, it holds up. And, of course, Tunic. Yeah, is footage just, looks just a, good. I was taking a look looks at good. it. I, mean, I played yeah, it on PS5. Not, it was excellent. Excellent yeah. game. And, yeah. and Tunic, um, I played a little of that earlier this year on my Xbox, and that finally came out to Switch. Uh, just about a month or two ago, and that game is truly, truly fantastic. Um, I know we haven't covered it very extensively on the show. I think we talked about it a little bit with, with Marty. Am I imagining this, or did I make? This uh, up? Yes, we did. No, no, no. We, I think it was Marty. Yeah, I, I think we had Marty. He's probably listening, and is he's probably listening, walking in New York <laughs> Yell, right now. Marty yelling at the, at the radio. <laughs> it was me. Uh, it was a sock it. puppet in one hand. <laughs> <laughs> A tunic-shaped um, sock puppet, like the little fox. Yeah, oh, like, that would be awesome! But but legit, tunic tunic is a fantastic game. You, you both of you would absolutely love it. Like I can I can. It's very much like. And I we talk about like which game is the best representative of each host of this podcast. Tunic, I think, embodies like what the three of us love about video games and and Nintendo games in particular. It's just really great exploration, great character design, good music. It's it really does hit on all categories. I think. Um, but other than that, not too much representation on the Nintendo side of the Game Awards. Um, but listen, listen, Game Awards always kind of a popularity contest. I think I, I like I wouldn't get too butthurt about like oh, there's no Nintendo games nominated for Game of the Year. It's like <laughs> like guys, it's don't worry about it. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's kind of a popularity contest in my mind. Um, but Mark is yeah, correct. I mean, Bayonetta which, 3 getting a nomination is for, disgraceful. For best action game. So there's for Nintendo best representation. Yeah. Oh, man. Whoever made um, that decision, guess what? You just fire him, Keely. You know? Okay, but I'll Wipe tell you what. What should win that category is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Yes. Excellent game. Absolutely fantastic game. Nominated for both best action game and best multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. I think it deserves both those categories. I would we gotta play, we gotta play, play online game. again sometime. For sure. We can't do that. Except Cameron. <laughs> Except for me. I'll, I'll play by myself now. on my Xbox, exactly. <laughs> Sad um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles piano theme in the background. <laughs> Sad Xbox noises. Yeah. <laughs> Sad Xbox noises. That's... We'll make that... Whatever the heck my Xbox One always right. makes in the living room. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that said, Nintendo does have the cleaning up the best family category... Um, with one extremely funny exception, uh, which is, of course, Nintendo Switch Sports. Oh, my freaking God. <laughs> Only get this game if you hate your family. Like, what the no, heck it's, is it's this? Fun. How is, it's fun. Better question. Better question. How is Splatoon 3 also in that category? It's a single-player game. Who plays that with yeah, their you know, family? I, I get the wife and my my two 2.5 children that we all sit down and watch me just... <laughs> clean oh out the well, field no. well listen we, we all know that nintendo <laughs> nintendo is pushing to have multiple switches in every household so you know i just buy my four copies of splatoon 3 and just play with the family it's fine um genius i think it's kind of also funny that uh mario plus rabbit's sparks of hope is on there although that does have a little bit of co-op right or is this is this uh am i imagining am i conflating it with the deal there is no co-op there's no, currently no co-op for that game yeah. Got it. Another family that... game with absolutely no family. They're promoting <laughs> a very strange. weird kind of family dynamic in these. Yeah, awards. right. 
Everybody yeah, just watches it. someone play a game, I guess. That's the other thing with like Sifu being nominated for best fighting game. Like insane. I don't I don't know if that's a fighting game. I, I mean, there's, like, Mark, there's, game? there's fighting in it. Yes, there's uh. fighting in it, but it's more of that's like saying Bayonetta is a fighting. Yeah, but game. there's also just... fighting in Switch Sports too. You yeah, fight really. each other with swords. That's yeah, and a frankly, fighting game. And, and frankly, the fact that Switch Sports didn't get nominated for best fighting game is egregious. <laughs> or for so... game of the year, also egregious. I'm shocked. Also, Multiverse did not get nominated for fighting game. That makes no sense. Yeah, it is um, more of a fighting game than Sifu, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it's extremely Very funny. So it, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like like the Golden Globes. There's always like that category that's like best musical or comedy. It's like what are we talking about here? <laughs> like it kind of reminds me of that. Um, it is also worth noting that Nintendo has kind of swept the RPG category as well, with only one nominee, Elden Ring, not being available on the on Switch. Everything I'm else, very it's a shame that one's going to sweep the field. It is a very shame. Much, uh, I'm looking forward for um, a cloud version of Elden Ring uh, coming to Switch in uh, 2024. That would be excellent. But in the meantime, root for the underdog. Live Alive 100% deserves that. Although Namco is just I'm, going to crush I'm that. So Listen, it's like obviously, like listen, obviously, Elden Ring is gonna sweep, but like it would of be, course. it would be, I don't know. I think it would be pretty cool if if Live Alive got got the nod. I think that'd be pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I mean, again, I've only played the demo. I still haven't, I still haven't picked up that game yet. But um, but like, it, it's it would be such a cool validation of like, hey, they are creating these, they're remaking these classic games, they're bringing them over to the West. Like, what an awesome validation that would be. Um, for the switch and for the genre in general, just to just to get you know to get something like Live Alive to to win that, um, but you know that's you know that's that's in a, a a nicer world than the one that we currently live in. So I, I imagine yeah, Elden Ring, Elden Ring will, will probably take take the nod on that one. Um, I also love how God of War has two nominations for Best Actor, both Kratos I, and Atreus. I wonder if they'll split the vote. I wonder if they'll split the vote because I think Christopher Judge as Kratos is like phenomenal. I I truly believe that's yeah. The but the, of the, year. the kid who plays Atreus is he's doing wonders in that game. He's, listen, the fact that it's it's kind of like that. Um, like listen, the fact that he can stand not stand up to but stand next to Christopher Judge is mm-hmm. like is incredible in of itself. Like yeah. like like that in and of itself is like yeah, that's worthy of uh, of a nomination. But I do wonder if they will split the vote and 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 the performance will go to somebody else. Of course, Ashley Birch is phenomenal in Horizon. Like I've no no yes, no complaints about too. that. I thought um, the guy who played Noah in uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three, I felt like he should have got one. Hmm. He did a really good job in that game. Yeah, he was excellent. Yeah, is that the is that the main character? Yeah, he's the main character. I see. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't speak to that. I haven't played the game, um, but uh, you know, I, I, it'll probably go to Kratos just because, like, probably, Christopher Judge is yeah. Christopher Judge is phenomenal. Christopher Judge is more with a grunt than than I've <laughs> I've ever done in my entire career. Like, truthfully, like <laughs> he can just go, mm, and it's like it means so much. You know, <laughs> he's extremely good. Um, but that said, so that, I think that's probably all we got to say on the Nintendo side of the Game Awards. Um, maybe when we do our, our Game of the Year podcast, we can delve some more into into some of these bigger games uh, that we're talking about, kind of, kind of in uh, in a minimal fashion, um, because there is another, not another, but there there is an anniversary that we uh, we are celebrating today. Uh, although 
in our notes, in our, we always kind of kind of like a, a little pre-show discussion about like what what are we going to talk about this episode? And Mark has been pushing the term the we eulogy, we eulogy for the anniversary of the we you, which makes it sound like we're <laughs> like we're putting it <laughs> like we're putting it in the ground, which is not. <laughs> I think that's not necessarily the vibe. Yeah, it's uh, well, been in the ground. If Yoshi, yeah, yeah really. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that thing was in the ground six months after launch. Let's be real. <laughs> um, Honestly, if that. Um, but that said, it is about the ten year anniversary mm-hmm. of the Nintendo Wii U. So again, this is not a system that I. Like I when I, I live with a roommate and we had a Wii U, but we almost exclusively used it as a Smash Brothers platform. We <laughs> like I barely played anything on the Wii U. I didn't play any of the big exclusives, um, mm-hmm. other than very much enjoying Yoshi's Woolly World. But even then, I that, I played that like like tangentially. I barely played it on on the Wii mm-hmm. U. Um, Ironically, that's the biggest strength of the Wii U. It was the multiplayer machine. Out of like yeah. all the consoles that generation, you know, the PS4, Xbox One, Wii U, I would say the Wii U had the best multiplayer stuff. That well, was I'm the one let, we always went to. I'm gonna let you guys kind of lead the discussion on this because again, this is this is like I could talk about Smash Brothers till I'm blue in the face, but like that's you know, yeah. I know it's only a small <laughs> a small sliver of, of what was fantastic about that that system. I'll, I will say this: I did play a lot of uh, Game Boy Advance games. On the Wii U, like I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I played console. Gold, yeah. I played a uh, Golden Sun um, via the Virtual Console. I played that entire game in handheld mode, <laughs> um, just like <laughs> nice. I never once threw it up on the TV. I just um, on the Wii U gamepad, which is listen, that's perhaps the the ideal way to play Golden Sun these days, um, unless you have an analog pocket lying around or something. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna let you guys lead the discussion on on this because I, I I wish I had more like insight into the history of this console, into what made it great, what made it lackluster. But I at the end of the day, I don't have that much to say about the Wii U, so I'm gonna let you guys kind of take it away here. Ooh, Campbell, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I might as well start just because I <laughs> I loved this console. It was mm-hmm. uh, I would call it an objectively bad console in many yes. many many many, <laughs> many ways many ways because here's the thing you know the wii u stumbled fell and died so that way the switch could run you know it introduced wow. a lot of really visionary ideas right about a home console not being tethered to the tv about you know multiplayer being the focus of first party development mm-hmm. about preserving you know your your retro classics and your back libraries which the switch did not carry on <laughs> but mm-hmm. it introduced these ideas and it's so creative so fun I got the Wii U a few years after launch. Uh, I've always been a Nintendo first player, and I spent so many summers, so many just years honing that console, playing through you know Smash for Wii U, uh, Wind Waker HD, Super Mario 3D Mario World. 3D World. Oh my yep. God, Mario 3D World. You know, which I've talked about before on the show. It's not wasn't one of my favorite Mario games to begin with, but today I just have so many pleasant memories with that game. It was mm. such Mario Kart 8, exactly. Yoshi's World. Yoshi's Woolly World and all the indies too. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the Shovel biggest Knight. legacies of the Wii U. It's 
that where Nintendo really started doubling down on indie development? Partly because, you know, they couldn't get anyone else to develop for the thing. So they had to focus on fostering relationships with indie developers. That's how I got into Shantae. That's how I got into Shovel Knight, into Axiom Verge, into a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of big indie franchises. And for a lot of Nintendo players, the Wii U was their window into the world of indie gaming. It was flawed. You know, the Wii U gamepad is bad at best. <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to push back on that a little bit. I yeah? think the f- I find the form factor of the Wii U gamepad more comfortable than the Switch. Yeah, well, here's... I agree. Whoa. I actually agree. The, the control like sticks... Like, more comfortable actually, to hold, I'm saying. Yeah, it's more comfortable mm. to hold, and the, it has actual joysticks that don't fall apart after you use them for 30 minutes at a time. Yeah, um, that is true. But the, the thing, why I call it objectively bad is just because it was this huge, clunky, expensive, unwieldy device that wasn't really all that beneficial. You know, there were maybe mm. like a tiny handful of games for the Wii U that actually yeah, there were either made effective use of the gamepad or at least tried. I'm looking at Star Fox Zero right now. It may have been bad, but at least it tried <laughs> something. <laughs> And that's I would have I would have preferred it didn't try because <laughs> it just ruined all, that Mark, entire all, game. It yeah. really did, but Terrible. at the same time, it's what Disturbing. developers had to deal with. It's what Nintendo was trying. Mm-hmm. It was a bold idea to have two screens for a home console. It was really cool, but just there weren't so many effective use cases or examples or gameplay mm-hmm. ideas that you could get out of that. Yeah. Well, I think well, there was three problems with the Wii U, and mm-hmm. I think they're the three big problems that really killed the system. And the first was it was hard for developers to develop for because they had no idea how to work with asymmetrical home console games. It wasn't like developing for like the DS or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have so many articles about how there was so much trouble behind the scenes develop even stuff for Nintendo, like even Nintendo's own developers had trouble. And then the second thing was the marketing, which was just <laughs> Look, I remember, man, I was watching so E3, bad. what was it, E3 2011 when it was announced. I remember watching that and being like, man, this add-on to the Wii is really cool. And they're like, Terrible. well, look, there's, yeah, a, the there's name, a console. The name and the marketing were just awful. The name Wii yeah. was just, just not a good Wii choice. Too. Like, Wii U Probably. means nothing at yeah. all. Yeah, but, and then the other thing was the gamepad. I don't think it's necessarily like the form factor and stuff because I think they still could have gotten away with it. It has a lot of cool stuff like the NFC support and all that and the TV button. There's like all this cool stuff about the gamepad that they had. But the big problem I thought was the resolution. It just looked dark. Like I never wanted to play on the damn thing because I felt like Mm. either A, the games, like especially Xenoblade Chronicles X, and you can attest to this, Campbell, unplayable (laughs) in that form. Unplayable. You Mm. couldn't, the text size was like font two. It was like like making an architecture paper in high school. It was terrible. (laughs) I couldn't read anything in that game or what was going on. So that was one of the big, you know, problems. The fact that the screen just wasn't crisp enough. It's like it's like a 480p screen. It's just it wasn't what it should have been. It should have been 720p, like the Switch's handheld, and it yeah. should have had like a very bright form to it. And that's not but, to uh, mention that you can't even move the gamepad too far away from the console itself, yes, which kind of goes against the, the entire point of having a mini screen in your controller. You still have to sit mm. in front of your TV anyway. Well, 
That's another thing that I always found weird about this console, because if you look at the initial trailers and stuff, the guy is, like, sitting on the couch using the handheld yeah. mode after using it on the TV. So it was almost like a prototype to the Switch, where they wanted you mm -hmm. to switch between that handheld mode and stuff. But I think the big idea at the time, because, you know, obviously we're talking about a different time where, you know, 3D movies were big. Like, you know, that's a whole separate conversation in of itself. But this was a console where... You know, it was adjusting to things that were popular at the time, like tablet, the iPad. It was clearly like they were going in that direction. And I just think the idea of using it, like going back and forth between the TV and the gamepad and being able to stay in like this one space, I don't think like it aged as well as it did because of how the console launched. If it had launched earlier in like 2008, or something i think it would have been a huge hit but because it came out in it was 2012 right yeah we're looking 10 at years yeah, ago 2012 <laughs> 10 wow. years that's ago. why we're talking yeah. about it 2012 <laughs> <laughs> yes funny. so you know since it came out in 2012 I, I felt like ipads were going out the door in 2012 they like were, i feel yeah. like they were because the iphone was starting to take over and it was starting to go to the mobile market and then that's what they were blaming the 3ds sales on and it was like Nintendo was trying to go for this whole market, except I feel like the market was already leaving. And that was the big problem with this era for Nintendo. But at the same time, looking back on it, it had the most personality out of any of Nintendo's consoles. Like the home screen of the Wii U, like I love that thing, the whole idea of it. And it feels very mm -hmm. interactive and it feels like an actual hub. And that's something that I think it really benefits from. And even like, I mean, you go on YouTube and there's like playlists for literally like the system menu music. Like people love listening to that. Like it had like a soundtrack just like designed into the menus, which was really cool. It's absolutely amazing. And it's really like the soundtrack to the Wii UI just dialed up to 11. And just yeah, even definitely. more of a vibe along with it. And I don't know how much time I spent just sitting on the, what do they call it, the Me Town Square or something? Yes, where you can just, the Me Plaza. Plaza, thank you. Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. sitting on the Me Plaza and just seeing all the stupid stuff that people were posting on Meverse <laughs> about whatever games we were playing or other people were playing. Like, it's just, it's fun. And it created this idea of a community of people and especially given that there it wasn't a really large community of people who were playing games on this thing it mm -hmm. really went a long way toward building an identity for this console and for the people who did play it regularly and played both nintendo games and all the indies and other titles that were on the platform both that and we gotta talk about meverse as well just that wonderful glorious <laughs> horrible mess we should have <laughs> oh got our God. favorite meverse pose we should have gotten one for yeah, this that's true yeah. well i mean for start, me start looking them up for me it, oh it's easy it's gotta be the water guy he's just talking about <laughs> i love this water great water in this game and his entire account was just screenshots of water, of water in various games. Wii games. Yeah. it's just iconic i love that personality there but there are so many more, and honestly, if you want to do another segment after this where you just run through the most traumatizing things you can find mm -hmm. on Meverse. It's like if you give... <laughs> yeah, you can do a whole episode out of that. <laughs> it's horrifying. It's literally... Cameron, I don't know if you ever used it. It's literally like if you gave a seven-year-old Twitter unhinged. Wow. No, I, I was not familiar <laughs> with that. Uh, with with that I, I it was just like again the Wii, the Wii U kind of missed me just in terms of like I think I was in a 
Okay, if that came out ten years ago, I had just moved to LA. So yeah, I, I like didn't, I like didn't, I wasn't like playing video games at the time. Like my, my I, I, I had just gotten out of college. I didn't get back into video games until like I, I don't know a couple of years after I finished college. Um, I picked up a PS3. Was my like I, I played a lot of video games in high school. Stopped for like four years or so, and then picked up a PS3 right at the tail end of the PS3's life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my roommate wanted to play Smash, so we, we picked up a Wii U because we played a lot of Smash Brothers Melee in college. Gotcha. Um, so we he had picked up a Wii U at some point, and I was like, oh, let's play Smash uh, Smash for Wii U. Um, and we had a lot of fun like making stages and stuff like that in, in, in that game. But uh, but yeah, I just didn't get into the, the Wii U ecosystem, including Miiverse. I just never really clicked into that, uh, into that kind of stuff. So I missed a lot. Like, I would catch the memes when they boiled over to, like, it, it really, really popular. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when, like, you know, if, if like, IGN the Luigi or... Death Stare. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I caught the big stuff, but I missed most of the big, like, meme you know, I, I, I caught the only the most popular memes and things. I never really uh, was able to catch that stuff firsthand. You know what I mean? I don't know mm, if that's good or bad. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, part, my, what, another one of my favorite Miiverse posts is just uh, somebody named Darren posting, My least favorite character is Sonic because he's fast like my dad when he chases me with the belt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the horror that you find on Miiverse. Yeah, oh seven-year-olds ca- casually admitting to you know maybe parental abuse or maybe they're just being silly gooses or just Who people knows? trolling. Yeah, yes. exactly. Also, Pokemon Sun and Moon makes me wish I have a girlfriend. That one's also good. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna have to pull up a bunch of. There's a great Twitter account, Cameron. Is, you should follow yes. it. I'll and link it's just to a it. Gold mine. It's a gold mine of all just posts, just What's all Meverse uh, posts. I think it's just called Bad Meverse posts. <laughs> One second. I have um, to. Yeah, we gotta find I it. I literally was. Yeah, Bad Meverse post. Up here. Or classic oh, yeah. me, classic Meverse. That's the other one. All right. Another one Listen. is just a screenshot of Super Metroid with the caption, "Why can't Metroid crawl?" Oh, I, I remember this. Yes. yes. Why and honestly, why can't Metroid crawl? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am now following this account. What a delight! Um, yep, there it is. Classic. Why can't Metroid crawl? Wow. Classic Miiverse posts. Um, that's so freaking funny. <laughs> no, I'm looking at classic Miiverse posts, and the first one is just somebody saying, "I give up," which honestly, <laughs> same. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we listen. We can't. We can't go down this. Um, no, what about I'm this one. This. I think Ganon go. looks like Obama. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or what about this one being? I think I. I think I want to be gay. Comment me if you think I should be gay. And then the response being, "Gay people are good. They are just like regular people." Yes, definitely. And then the last person, Buster, saying, "Probably." Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Oh, we funny. could do an entire show about this. No, yeah, but, this um, is a, but we're this not. A, we're talking a, about this. Is, but again, this yeah. is when you're talking about the personality of the Wii U. This is what we're talking about. Absolute <laughs> unhinged weirdness. Well, I think one of my thing. one of my favorites, just really quick. One of my favorites is under the Splatoon community, and it's I wish squids were real. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Me too, honestly. I wish that's so freaking funny. Uh, I, I will say this. I think Campbell, this and both of you guys have, have mentioned this. I think maybe what made the me the meverse and like all the crazy memes about you know the, you mentioned the, the the Luigi death stare for Mario Kart Eight. It's like 
I think the the reason that stuff kind of caught on is because the Wii U community was so insular. It was so it was like it's like well we got nothing else to talk about so let's kind of like really <laughs> dig in. Do you know what I mean? Like let's yeah. like really yeah, it was, dig it in was here. a bubble. It yeah, was a exactly. bubble where we would all exactly. wait for Masahiro Sakurai to post a picture of what's going on in Smash Brothers, and you'd wait till like one in the morning, and then you'd find out he literally posted a picture of like Mr. Saturn just walking across the stage. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, it's like, uh, and I don't think that's necessarily like a bad thing about the system. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> well, no, because like, that's the perfect way to describe it, Mark. Like it, w- it was such a bubble. That it's mm-hmm. like, and the releases were so few and far between that it's like, well, I guess we're gonna sort of dig in and talk about like whatever it is that we have in front of us here. Um, thinking back on it, because you guys mentioned a couple games earlier, it's like, okay, I maybe didn't, I didn't necessarily like play these games, but I have like thought about them a lot and and uh, written about them a lot. Um, just because I wrote completionist episodes for Wind Waker HD and like mm-hmm. talking with Gerard about like all well, the differences between this game and the original, like mm-hmm. I have like had experience, I guess tangential experience, with some of these big releases. I just never dug into them myself. Um, I still am waiting for that Wind Waker HD to, to come to Switch. I hope oh it'll probably yeah. come over. You think, you think so? I think it'll come over eventually. It. I'm waiting for it, baby. I think the biggest um, shame is Yoshi's Woolly World. I really love that I game. Know. I think we, we, I know that Rick and I, like, we've all, we've all talked about how much, like, that game is freaking awesome and it's so much better than crafted world oh, and it wait, is a hundred times better and it's it crazy <laughs> it's crazy it's not on switch I, I forgot i should have mentioned this to you mark you're gonna laugh um over the summer i did break down and buy a 3ds copy of yoshi's Woolly world yes <laughs> i've never played it i still don't have it it's fine it's not it is because it kind of looks like hell compared to the, the version. <laughs> well, no, like it's it's cool that it runs on the 3ds. Mm-hmm. It, like, and you got the Poochie they, missions. The Poochie missions are cute, mm-hmm. and you can watch the little short videos. Like, of course, it it has a certain charm. And if you like that that 3ds kind of uh, that what do you call it? Like that polygonal art style. Like mm-hmm. it has it looks great for a 3ds game. I'll say this. But it doesn't look like the Wii U version. Like, come on. Like, oh, how, yeah. No comparison. And, and, and that's part of the appeal is that, like, it looked so freaking clean um, on the Wii U. And, and, like, you could see those yarn effects. Like, you can really distinguish that it looks fuzzy and, and like, you want to reach out and touch your screen. And obviously mm-hmm. that does not quite translate to the 3DS, unfortunately. Um, so if they were able to uh, listen, Nintendo, if you're listening, um, Campbell, if you want to, you know, drop a line to Doug Bowser and and just just once again leave the post-it mm-hmm. on his computer about porting uh, Woolly World to Switch, that would be yeah, great. As I do every other Wednesday, so I'll get. Thank on you that. so much. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, no, another thing we didn't talk about, Amiibo. Ah, yeah. True. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Talk about that because that was I the love, proliferation of the Amiibo. Love the yes. Yoshi's, the the yarn Yoshi's. That's my I, favorite Amiibo. I have the them right above me. I desk. was gonna say yes, I, I, have, I have that uh, one. Yeah. I have a pink. I have a pink yarn Yoshi. I only have three Amiibo, and a pink yarn Yoshi is is one of them. Um, I have to keep it in the box though, or else my cats will destroy it. So I have to, <laughs> that oh, one wow. is a, a complete in box. Uh, yar, pink yarn Yoshi Amiibo. Um, yeah, like because the Wii U. Uh, okay, this is me showing my ignorance here. The Wii U, the, the Amiibo were invented for the Wii U, is that right? Yes, it was invented okay. for Smash Brothers. Sp- That's right. Specifically, yeah. And then it kind, like the turned into its, it kind of turned into its whole big, mm-hmm. whole, whole thing. But the, um, the NFC functionality, for the longest time, they didn't know what to do with it. Because the first mm-hmm. game to actually use it was Pokemon Rumble. 
and it was like these little (laughs) it was these little figures where you can go to gamestop i only played i used to play the 3ds one with my brother all the time but the um the wii u version they had like these little polygonal um pokemon figures and you'd go to gamestop and buy a blind bag and then you'd have the figure and then you'd be able to scan it into the game but it was such a mess because it was like the game was twenty dollars the figures were like six bucks each it was like the whole concept of it was an entire mess and on top of that it was on the wii u so that was like the ultimate death sentence but um they did that and then skylanders ditched like that huge big concoction and they uh, just you could like scan oh, it on the gamepad. That was the other about thing. That ge- what was that game called? Sky- yeah. uh, what I don't yeah. no idea what it was called, but Skylanders is the the brand name. I know Spyro oh was sentenced to it, but uh, yes, there was I that. And then it. finally, for Smash Brothers, they made the trophies into the amiibo figures, which was cool because people always wanted the trophies as figures. So it was like a golden concept, and uh, we all went nuts for them, and no one could buy them. <laughs> Because they were all out of stock all the time. Every figure that you wanted. And they're still crazy on eBay. I'm going to look up some of them right now. How much is that gold Mario going for? I have it in the box. Oh, nice. Mario Amiibo. Let's see. Mark's about to reveal he's a millionaire live on air. (laughs) Uh, You are 50 bucks Uh, 20 bucks now. (laughs) Okay, nice. Wow, when that thing came out, it was going for like 100 I see Mark, it on listen. Amazon at eighty one sixty, so Ooh, that's slightly better. Mark, listen, your your uh, your gold Mario and my uh, my sealed copy of uh, Mario three D All Stars are are they're going to be worth big bucks someday? <laughs> don't uh, don't, don't question worry about it. now. What about Silver <laughs> Mario? Eh, Silver Mario goes for about fifteen. That's crazy though, because when these things came out, you couldn't even find them, and they were going for literally like over a hundred on eBay. What about Mega? I want to just see really quick. Mega Yarn The Mega Yarn Yoshi. Oh, I love that thing. It's on the back of my bed. Oh, nice. (laughs) I'm a rich man from that one. (laughs) There we go, baby. What do we got? About 100 to 300. Hey, that's not bad. That's probably box, though. Not even... Nope, not... Some of them don't even include the box. Interesting. Hey, your pink one's worth 60. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah. Wow. That's really that's great. I, I bought it for, for rip them out of the box. So. Wow. That's, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's interesting. So the, the Wii U did have a as I mean, again we're we're talking about all this kind of like Wii U peripherals and stuff like that because it is a fascinating system and it, and it created this weird ecosystem, right? Like you have the 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 rare limited edition Wii U stuff. You have the mm-hmm. the NFC compatible Skylanders, which has since been shuttered. If I'm incorrect, I don't think they make Skylanders yes. anymore. No, right? they like, killed it. No, sir. That yeah, thing's killed dead. That. Thankfully, it's like it's a. Uh, <laughs> um, and yet, there's still like we were talking about this about uh, in our in our Goombastomp Slack um, some months back. Somebody was trying to sell a a Wii U because there there is like a lot of cool stuff that kind of died with the Wii U, including the Virtual Console. Like that's still the best place mm-hmm. to play Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, like all that Game Boy Advance stuff that we're all sort of waiting with bated breath of whether or not they're gonna find some way to bring it to Switch. It's, as it stands, the Wii U is the, the only way to play, unless you want to go, you know, a different route. Uh, it is currently the best way to play a lot of classic games, mm-hmm. including, like, and of course, N64, Super Nintendo. Like, it's, it's, it's yes. it remains the, the last Everything way to... Everything but GameCube. 
which they exactly. took out. They took out GameCube compatibility from the Wii yeah. menu, which was mind blowing that they didn't just yeah. leave it. Pretty pretty shocking. If they had left it with GameCube compatibility, like the the Wii U would would perhaps be the the ultimate Nintendo nostalgic console. Like I know, Probably, I know that yeah. we're. We, I know a lot of us consider the Switch to currently be that because you have the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack and the the NSO like Super Nintendo and and regular Nintendo stuff, but it's mm-hmm. like a lot oh, of games man. missing. Yeah, a lot of games missing, and and you can again, it's that that old thing of you can't actually purchase them; you can only play yes, them via it. the NSO online service. Which, if you're you know if you're playing offline, it's kind of not really an option. So it's or when that thing goes down in the future, when it inevitably goes down, or they swap out the games or something like that. Like, and listen, I, we we've kind of talked about the Nintendo Switch Online service, kind of here and there over the over the months, and they're constantly adding a lot of stuff. They, they, you know, they announced that they're going to have uh, online multiplayer with GoldenEye, or or is it local or online with with GoldenEye? No, it's online. Yeah, it online. is going to be online. Yeah. So they're they're adding like online. They're going to add. Golden Knight of the the uh, the service with online playability. It's like there's a lot of cool stuff that they're doing, but of course there's always that in the back of your mind. You're always thinking like this is going to eventually this will go away like sooner mm-hmm. or later. It's it's going to go away. It's going to you know it's yeah. which is you know not not a very for for collectors and and for people who are interested in in preserving games mm-hmm. history. It's not a very fun feeling. Um, so as it stands, the Wii U is that kind of you know, with the exception of the GameCube, the best way to experience a lot of classic Nintendo history. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. At least for the next few months when they finally shutter the, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Like you, yeah. you can imagine, you can see a future in, you know, eight months, a year where, you know, you go on eBay and you want to try, a bu- you want to buy a, a, a fully loaded up hard drive Wii U for like a thousand dollars or something. Like I can mm-hmm. easily picture that happening. In, in not that long a time, you know, like I don't know. What, what do you what do you guys think about that? As people, no, it's both, it's bound to happen. It's bound yeah. to happen, right? Because you, you both have a Wii U like lying around, don't you? Yeah, I do indeed. Yes. So, like, what do you what's what are your plans for that? Are you going to like go on an eShop binge? Like, what's the what's the what's the plan for you guys? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm dead. I'm serious. No. Yeah. <laughs> not really. no. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, honestly, aside from some of the virtual console stuff on there. There is nothing like eShop exclusive on the Wii U that I need to load up onto it, like there was mm-hmm. on the Wii Shop. Like, right? No, that thing's just collecting dust in my yeah. in like a box in my closet. Honestly, as much as I talk about you know the wonderful memories we have with it, the great games on it, how it's misunderstood, all this kind of stuff, I don't want to dig it back out and go through the yeah. hassle of setting yeah. it back up yeah. again. It's a great nostalgia piece, but. It's not really worth it at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, well, let's let's kind of let's kind of round off this segment here. Anything else we want to sort of uh, you know celebrate about the Wii U or any any games that are like oh crap? How do we not talk about like the wonderful 101 or whatever? Like obviously there's a you know there's a remastered version of that, but you know what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Like anything that it's like oh we didn't talk about this or remember this thing or like anything else about the wii u that you thought was especially cool i have uh i have 10 games that still need to come to switch that i wrote down this might end up being an article this month (laughs) if it is if it is here's the entire list i don't know what order it will be in but these are uh 10 games i wrote down yoshi's woolly world xenoblade chronicles x Mm -hmm. nintendo land the legend of zelda wind waker hd twilight princess hd kirby and the rainbow curse nes remix nes remix 2 
Pushmo World, We Fit You, Art Academy. I'd kind of push back on the NES remix stuff, but aside from that, everything else I think 100% should be on Switch. Uh, especially I love the NES remix. It's, it's a great game. Fine. Ooh. I think it would be great if they made just they just made another. Well, if they just made like another one of those. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense, and that would be a good perk to have for like Switch Online. Maybe you get ooh, oh these my really god, cool yes. remix that versions would be. Yeah. of the oh games you already have for your subscription. That would be really clever. Nintendo probably won't do it because it makes so much <laughs> sense. But it would be lovely if they did. Um, yeah. yeah. NES remix was such a weird game i just did not expect it when it came out the mere idea of it just didn't make sense and for those who aren't aware nes remix and remix 2 those are uh, basically like they sound remixed versions of a few classic nes games where it's like oh um it's donkey Kong, but what are examples of that in there donkey Kong. but you're but playing the, a zelda there you like go you're playing like a zelda that. you're playing um excite bike but you can only you can't accelerate something or other like mm-hmm. it's just really weird kid icarus with mario mm-hmm. exactly it mix and matches um, oh, and there's one where it's like Kirby, but you're eat, constantly eating bombs, and you have to shoot bombs at the right characters, mm-hmm. things like that. Well, Campbell, I just call that Tuesday. That's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, it, there, listen, the Wii U, like, a fascinating experiment, a lot of really in- interesting and unique stuff. Mark, you should absolutely write that article, because, like, again, as someone who like me personally don't have a ton of experience. Like I feel like I missed out on a lot of stuff on the Wii U. So like, I, I always enjoy hearing about like, Oh my gosh, like that was a game. Like what the hell? So like, I would love to hear more about like people who actually had one and played a lot of stuff on it. Like the things <laughs> that you would want to see ported over to switch. Like I, I would be very interested in, in reading that article. So I think you should mm-hmm. go ahead think and write that. In my what opinion. someone, what someone needs to do though is archive a list of like all the, uh, the eShop indie exclusives, because oh, yeah. those are all about to be wiped out. I'm yeah. sure someone is has done it. Probably, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's already happened, or if it hasn't happened, it will happen before they finally pull the pull the cord on that. Probably like Scott the Waz or someone. I would hope so. <laughs> someone, yeah, someone's out there writing it. 100. Um, percent Well, I guess that's. I guess that about does it for our our little Wii eulogy here. Um, listen, Nintendo. We love you. The Switch is great. Um, just bring those last couple of exclusives over to the Switch, and then like we can put, we can finally, uh, uh, for 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 uh, for all intents and purposes, close the door on the Wii U. Take the box <laughs> shut. Mm-hmm. We'll t- we'll yeah exactly. We'll we'll nail that coffin shut. I think. Um, but as it stands, I think it's listen. Respect all respect to the Wii U for for being the weird niche system that it was. Um, and for paving the way, as Campbell said, for paving the way to the Switch and what would eventually come down the line here. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back with uh, some impressions about some other games we've been playing. So stay tuned and we shall return.
we're back. Uh, and, and Mark is here to confirm that there are, in fact, we use out there in the wild on Facebook Marketplace. They are dusty. They are they are priced to move. So if you, if you are interested in the legacy of the Wii U and you want to find a used one, they're out there. But you might have to uh, might have to dust them off a little bit. Um, so we, we wanted to do a, a, a couple quick a couple quick first impressions. Uh, I was going to say first impressions, impressions um, about Harvestella, which I have been playing, and Once Upon a Jester, which Campbell's been playing. Uh, full disclosure: both of us have not beaten these games yet, but I think we can. I think we could talk about their first, you know, their opening hours. Um, our Harvestella, I can already tell, is going to be one of those like this is going to be a chonky, a chonky game, and it's deliberately paced to be so. Um, and we'll follow up in another episode, maybe next week or the following week, with our with our full thoughts about these games. But we do want to just just because you know they're they're out there in the wild, so we want to mention them um, since we you know since we have the airtime. Um, so Harvestella, we all we all kind of dunked on this game when it was announced uh, <laughs> in a Nintendo Direct a couple of months ago. It was yet another farming simulator. It's produced by Square Enix. It is a farming simulator slash JRPG. Which is the the only way to describe it. Um, it has all the hallmarks of a Square Enix like big budget title. Incredible music, like uh, JRPG ass plot. Uh, there is time travel shenanigans. There is a giant crystal that gives you magical power. There is uh, anime ass characters. It's like it's all the things you want in a Square Enix RPG combined with the mundane farming of something like Stardew Valley. It is a weird mashup of genres. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about it just yet. It is slow-paced to the point that it has put me to sleep twice while I was playing it. Uh And yet, and yet, I find myself compelled anytime I'm, like, not doing anything. Like, what should I... I should check in on my crops and harvest that. Like, it's a... It's so freaking weird, you guys. I, I, like, don't super know how I feel about it just yet. Um, there's no voice acting, uh, even though it's, again, it's a Square Enix RPG. Like, it's first party. It's not like this is a this is like a siloed off side project. No voice acting. Uh, it looks like PlayStation 2 era graphics. It's reminding me a lot of Final Fantasy XII. I forget if you guys have played that one. That I have. You have, I okay. I have not. Okay, so <laughs> I, Campbell. Yeah. Campbell, every... Yes. Okay, so you know how in Final Fantasy XII, the cities and the dungeons are kind of like, you can explore like a chunk of them, and then you go to the edge of the map, and there's like three little dots, mm-hmm. and then you go into that, and there's a loading screen, and you're in the next part of the map? Yep, exactly. Okay, this game is that. Huh. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> like every, every Every town, every time you open a door, is a loading screen. Every time you go into the next room of a house, is a loading screen. Um it's it's crazy. Like I I I I don't even know how to describe it. Um, I'm gonna do my best. Uh, and even in the midst of of all of this, I find myself like, well, I, I do I do want to farm those crops. I do want to craft a better hammer. I do want to make my watering can get to level two. Like it's like it's the weirdest freaking game. Um. The the game uh, you have objectives obviously like like every time I hit the pause menu it's like currently my objective because I'm only in the first chapter there's a prologue and there's chapter one so like the prologue is a couple of hours and then you hit chapter one and all of my objectives currently are move about freely during the day 
and then fall asleep in your bed at night. That is my objective right now. So the game is like, no, nah, just just talk to townspeople, uh, explore the map, uh, do some farming, and then because because there's a there's a there's a day night cycle in this game, and if if it gets too late at night, your character, much like Stardew Valley, your character will pass out and you'll like lose you know resources or something. Um, so I'm I'm very concerned about making it to to bedtime uh, on time, or else my else is bad. Um, I'm slowly learning more about like their characters. There there is a <laughs> there is an amnesia plot not plot line. Uh, my player character has amnesia, has dropped of in. Of course. Because guys, it's a Square Enix <laughs> RPG. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like you've got amnesia, and you're not going to learn what happened for probably a dozen hours. Like I have no idea. And then um, you'll find out the dark wizard wiped your mind, and it's, you actually yeah, have to save the planet from an asteroid. It's, it's got to be in the job description to save the world. You have to just not remember your name, your family. Man, it's why. I, I, I listen. I, I listen. I, I might have gotten ahead of myself here. There are currently two amnesia plot lines oh happening Oh my god. So you got the player you got the player character who's like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. And then there is another character um who has dropped in kind of simultaneously as the player character of like where did where does she come from? And 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 she knows who she is, but she doesn't know where and why she is. So she's like, I think I'm from the future and I've dropped into the past. This is all stuff that this is not a spoiler. This all happens within the first uh, few hours of the game. This is all this is all like opening act stuff. Um it's pretty wild. I I I'm I don't know if this. I hope the story is good. Like I can't quite tell just yet. I'll I'll report back as as I invest more time into this game. Um, I the combat is again very Final Fantasy twelve. It's kind of like a MMORPG. Like the enemies appear in the overworld, you run up to them and smack them with your weapon or your or your special ability, which is tied to a cooldown. Um, you have classes. Um, in the pause menu, I know that there is there is a there is slots for additional party members. So I can imagine I'm going to build out a big party at a certain point throughout the game. Um, you can choose classes, you can upgrade skills or skill trees happening. It's like, all right, this is all I like. I love all that stuff. I'm like, ooh, skill trees, RPG, like mm, I love it. Like, give it to me, feed it to me. Um, I the combat's not very compelling right now. Again, I'm pretty low level. I only have a like a, a couple of weapons, a couple of cooldown um, skills. I'm hoping they expand that a little bit more. The game is like smacking me down hard every time I try to explore outside of my my uh, like my level cap. It's like oh, like every I'll walk into an area and there will be a little bit of text on screen that's like. You can't do this yet, and then my character will turn around and walk back to another screen. I'm like, well, guess I gotta keep doing like low level tasks until uh, <laughs> until the game allows me to do other things. <laughs> like, I don't know how you guys play these kinds of games, but I always try to kind of like push at the edges of them to be like, all right, what's what's like? Am I gonna encounter like a crazy thing that I don't have a skill set for yet? It's like this game will just straight up will not let you do that. It's like, nope, you don't have the skills yet. You don't have the money. You don't have the, the, the crafting items. And it's, it's, uh, it is forcing me to slow down and take it day by day, which I think is kind of the goal overall. I'm pretty sure this is, this is a game that wants to be pretty chill. Um, I, I've spoken at length about my love for Harvest Moon 64 and, and games of that type, and it has given me major Harvest Moon vibes and and stardew vibes for sure it's like it wants you to slow down it wants you to take your time it wants you to like get invested in the in the in the you know 
hoeing your crops and, and watering them and planting seeds and putting those seeds in a box and waiting to the next day to make like 50 gold and then you turn around and you spend that 50 gold to buy more seeds and plant more crops again. Like, I, the, the, I can see the gameplay loops kind of stretching out before me and I'm not mad at it. I, I hope that there is, I don't know, I'm hoping that like I get access to a, a, a more compelling dungeon or something sooner rather than later. I'm intrigued by the story. I'll report back if uh, if any of this amnesia stuff pays off. I, I hope it does. <laughs> um, the art direction, I will say, is extremely good. Um, again, very Final Fantasy XII vibes. Um, it's I love. I've always enjoyed the, the kind of the Square Enix PlayStation Two era style, like high fantasy. Um, there's crystals. Uh, Everybody's wearing like <laughs> everybody's wearing like armor that's like oh it's only one shoulder but it's like cool it's spiky black armor and like the hair goes down to the waist and it's like bright neon blue like like I love all that shit like I'm I'm a sucker for for uh for the the very over the top um, protagonist like <laughs> like have you seen those memes where it's like who could the who could the main villain be and then it like like it's it's the guy with hair that's three feet tall and bright orange like of course that's the villain like Mm -hmm. i'm a sucker for all that kind of stuff so so i'm i'm hoping that the story pays off in some capacity um but as it stands those are kind of my my first impressions of the game i i I, have you guys like i know we we all sort of like we all kind of wrote off the trailer after we watched it during that nintendo direct but have have you guys kind of revisited any any coverage of this game since it's been out I mean, it's, it's the for like only, a week now. Yeah, it's the only game from that Nintendo Direct filled with farming simulators, just brimming with them. The only <laughs> oh, farming <yeah. laughs> sim from that Direct that I actually remembered afterwards, because at least I threw in a healthy dose of the apocalypse in there. That's um, right. There is kind of this looming threat of, uh, listen, Quietus, it's coming, and I'm scared about it, so I'll... <laughs> I haven't looked at anything about this game because there was no coverage the day it came out, and I I assumed it wasn't good if that's the case. I I, I haven't, like, whenever, I don't know how you guys play this, whenever I'm reviewing a game, I try not to absorb too much coverage. coverage. Because I I don't want to color my own opinions. That said, from what I understand, the game is perceived as pretty mid. Um, Again, I'll, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to approach it as objectively as I can. From, from what I understand, it's it's uh, it's been kind of like received sort of lukewarmly, but but you know it's understandable in a, in a in a month where you got God of War, like it's it's understandable that uh, that this game would get overshadowed by some some bigger game. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that it uh, like evolves into something a little more compelling as it goes on. But uh, but as it stands, I'm 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 I will play more for sure. Like I'm I'm not like. Oh God! I can't wait to put this down. Like I like no, I, I want to play more of it. I just need to. Uh, I, just, I have to do it in the middle of the day when I'm awake <laughs> because uh, <laughs> the vibe is very cozy and it does make me kind of sleepy. Um, mm. But speaking of games that were announced during Nintendo Directs, Campbell, what are your thoughts on Once Upon a Jester, a very strange-looking game that was uh, shadow dropped last week? What's what what's uh, what? Are, what are your thoughts about this game so far? Oh heck yes. Like, that's just the, the first impression there. Just, oh, heck, yes. Because wow. last week, we talked about how this game looked like a Campbell game, right? <laughs> and now, having spent a few hours with it, I can confirm that it's not just a Campbell game. It's an uppercase C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L game. Oh, my gosh. Wow. This game is made for me. I love it. It is silly. It is over the top. It's goofy. It's extremely weird. It's 
filled with puns and just really stupid humor. Characters break out into song randomly all the time. It's got lots of hijinks and antics, improvised theatrical performances. Hold on, you you mean to tell me this game has hijinks and antics? Exactly, not just hijinks, (laughs) not just antics, both of them, and it's glorious. It does not take itself seriously for one moment. It's just... I'm really just having a blast with it. It was one of the weirdest games that they showed off at Indie World. They showed a little little trailer giving snippets of gameplay. had this cute little song going on with it. And it's the kind of thing that's a little difficult to understand what the game is about until you actually just start playing it. But it has a really solid loop to it. So the best way I could describe it is that it's this honestly surprisingly narrative and character-driven game. goofy i guess i guess you could call it an action game in a way or maybe adventure (laughs) game explain (laughs) adventure game is more accurate um because you're going around you're interacting with a little town you play as a character who's just called jester who shockingly enough is a jester he's got his best bud named sock who fittingly enough is a sock uh just or a dude who has a sock for a head uh, but it's sock without the C, so it's just S-O-K, sock. Um, so you're sock. Jester and Sok, you're in this cute little village, um, and you the princess comes to visit. She sings this adorable little song about how the kingdom is running this theatrical competition, and whoever wins the competition, who gets, I think it's 15 flower bouquets and three big towns, gets to perform at the Royal Castle's uh, theatrical exhibition or festival. And so, and then the um, Sock and Jester realize, they're like, hey, we can get to the castle. And then I hear there's this giant diamond there. If we, if we win this competition, we can go and steal this diamond. So let's go and compete in the theatrical competition and see what we can do. And so each, uh, the, the moment-to-moment gameplay involves... You're Jester, you're going around town, and you're preparing for a theatrical performance. There's these little villagers all throughout the area, and you can talk to them, and you can see what they like that day. Maybe they'll say that they hate horror that day, or they want something really adventurous. You talk to each character, you see what they like, and then that night, you put on a show for them. And when you're putting on a show, you can select from a few prompts what kind of performance you're going to do. You're going to do a play of some sort, whether it's um, where you're, a play about sculpting a statue or fighting off a dragon. But that general template, that theme of it, you can change it on the fly based on what the audience likes. So you can get on stage and say, oh, woe is me. I am a jester and the king is going to kill me if I don't create this statue. I am going to create a statue that looks like a... And then it pauses and you have the option to uh, choose from a list of actions and each action is corresponding to some sort of theme. So let's say you want to give the statue a sword. That's an action theme, right? Or you make the statue like look really contemplative. That's dramatic or melancholy. Uh, You can give it spider legs and that's scary, so on and so forth. And there are so many little prompts like that throughout each performance that... I can't really even imagine how many different branching paths and combinations there are for each performance. And what's impressive is it's not like it's just it follows the same critical path each time and there's just little incidental dialogue depending on what you choose. The the quote-unquote story of each performance really tweaks and changes depending on what you chose. 
So, for example, you could do something where you have a story about fighting a dragon, and you choose the action prompt, and you fight the dragon, and then you beat the dragon, who's just sock wearing a little dragon hat, right? But <laughs> um, you beat the, the dragon, and then you say, now that I have beaten you, I am going to pause and then it, it's like i am going to slay you i am going to save the king i am going to love you and if you choose love then you and the dragon can get married and you run off together right and then the king shows up and then it's just this whole thing and each pl each plot point just really adapts along with whatever you choose so even though you do end up doing these performances quite a few times the the goal is to get 15 flower bouquets you get uh, in each area you get a maximum of five bouquets for each performance usually you know you'll end up messing up one thing or other and you get three or four at a time but even though you end up playing these performances you know, quite a few times in a row they don't really feel monotonous because of how much um how much variety there is in it right and I think the thing that is just really the best part about this game, not just the the sheer adaptability of the gameplay and the story, it's just so freaking silly too. <laughs> like I've described the 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 prompts and the themes of the plays and the performances you put on, but the characters that you talk to in the village, Sock and Jester's relationship, it's goofy as all heck. There are so many puns in here. For example, there's like a a giant tree that you find in the first area, and he's just wandering around, and he's a sad tree. And you ask, hey, tree, what, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm just trying to find my roots. Boo. <laughs> and I was like, this game is a 10 out of 10 right here. Uh, and then you can talk that's... to But then what's also really cool is that's also an example of how you can make these choices in the game that, have, that actually affect how subsequent uh, scenes play out. So, for example, if you're talking to the tree, he'll ask you what your name is, and your options are, hey, I'm Jester, or I'm Bibbly Blob Bob. No. And so if you say, I'm Bibbly Blob Bob, he will call you that for the rest of the game. There's wow. no reason why you want to call yourself Bibbly Bob Blob. It's just silly. Just for the fun. And just for so yucks. It's so fun, and there are so many goofy little instances like that throughout the game. I don't want to spoil too many of them because the real fun of it is just seeing how wacky it can get. But along with all that, it's silly, it's goofy, it's also heartfelt too. Both the relationship between Sock and Jester is like a surprisingly poignant friendship, I guess you could hmm. say. Um, along with uh, the princess too, who ends up becoming a buddy along the way. There's just so much fun stuff along with this game. It really reminds me, this is kind of a funny comparison, but it reminds me of Adventure Time in a way, the cartoon. Oh, sure. The vibes yeah, yeah, yeah. are very similar. Just a general approach to storytelling. Along with the visual, the visual style, too. It just looks like this kind of flat, almost like paper cutout kind of aesthetic with a lot of rounded edges and all the characters a bit like, again, like Adventure Time, too. Yeah. So if that kind of sense of humor and storytelling jives with you and you like just that approach to, uh, like I said, storytelling or even just uh, gameplay that it adapts to your decisions and just allows a lot of fun improvisation along with a very cutesy soundtrack too it's just a lot of fun so far i think i'm nearing the end of the campaign um and i've enjoyed it up to this point i can't wait well, to see how it all ends 
And it sounds as though this is a game with a lot of replayability. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least based on what you've uh, described to us, Campbell, it sounds as though this is a game you could play over and over and over again. I believe in the Direct they they uh, made a point of saying that no run is, you know, every run is very different and there's mm-hmm. lots of options. Like, do, do you think that, do you, do you, think, do you see yourself uh, trying to get, like, I don't know, trying to play the game differently in, in another, uh, another sitting? Oh yeah, for sure. I want to see what happens when I tell that giant tree what my name actually is instead of Bidley Blah Bob. There you so go. That's just one reason for it. And then there are other characters too, where you can talk to them and make choices and just see how things turn out. Um, I think it's totally something where um, you'll want to replay it, if only because it's a bit difficult to gauge how some of the plays and the mechanics and the performances work the first time around. You'll be like, oh, well, I know that this prompt for a prompt for one the play called Once Upon a Jester, named after the game, funnily enough. Uh-huh. But you know, like, hey, I I know that these kinds of scenes will play out, and I don't know how to do these little quick time events that happen in there because uh, that's one thing I should have mentioned earlier is that when you're doing performances, you make decisions, and then a lot of times there's little mini games or quick time events as part of that. So say if you're if you choose an action sequence, you might end up in a sword fight, and then you have to you and Sock have to duke it out, and there'll be a little dial that's going back and forth. You have to click at the right time in order to swing your sword properly, and if you mess up, you might end up flinging your sword across the stage, and then the whole show is a bust. So uh, you really have to be on top of things with those mini games, and I could totally see myself replaying the game just because I'm like, hey, I understand how each play, how each performance works what the audience likes and know how to be a better performer you know it's all about that theatrical spirit in oh, this yeah. game for sure that sounds uh really fun i'm i'm surprised not surprised i'm uh i'm heartened to hear that you are are this game is hitting for you i think that's really cool um just because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't know i i the, guys i don't know i i uh i went to an indie not quite a convention but like an indie event over the weekend um and the, the more I'm exposed to like games like Once Upon a Jester games that are kind of in that indie space. The more I'm like, yeah, this is. Listen, I love me a triple A ass, you know, your God of War Ragnaroks, your Horizons. Like, I love those games. But the more I spend time around indie games, the more I'm like, yeah, I would, I kind of would just love for games like this to keep, you know, having strong showings and keep mm-hmm. being good and unexpected and fun. Like, yeah. I don't know. Part of the reason I love video games is because of stuff like what you're describing, Campbell, where it's just like, hey, this is a completely weird and fun way to interact with the medium. And I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I would, I would love to for this game to be very successful and for more games like it to be made. If, if that yeah. makes sense. One hundred percent. And I think the yeah. thing that really sticks out to me while I've been playing is that this is a game made by people who are just having a blast yeah. the entire time. What Literally, a concept. yeah, I know, right? It's funny, especially considering the AAA comparison that you were just yeah. making. I don't think that uh, Sony Santa Monica developers had a great time the entire time they were working on God <laughs> but of War. Listen, but, and, and again, this is for for. Like I don't know, I I know a handful of people who work at for Activision. They're for, for Sony, and mm-hmm. 
They have all had nothing but great things to say about oh, their experiences. You know. Oh, no. But, not uh, not, but not that's dissing it, anybody, but that's just the realities of yes, you know, working on exactly. a big project, a big company, you're going to end up crunching, all that kind of stuff. But with yes. something like Once Upon a Jester, another thing to point out is that this game is fully voice acted, too. Um, oh, wow. Unlike Harvestella. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, Square Enix is a tiny, a tiny little indie company. A little indie and, studio, yes. The best part is that this is made by a, a German team, I believe, and everybody has like just the the lightest German accents, and some oh, have yeah. much more exaggerated German accents, which is just hilarious. And also, a lot of times they get their their lines wrong, and you can actually hear them laughing along with <laughs> after oh, they get the funny. lines wrong. And that's like funny. that's the thing, this game does not take itself seriously, so it's not like that's wow. unprofessional. That's just fun. Like there's one it's... bit where there's in a, you're giving a performance, and you know you you're fighting Sock, and then afterwards he's like. All right, Jester. I am a, I am appeased by your determined de, 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 determination determination, <laughs> and then it just cuts off mid laugh there. That's so. And so it's like, so it's like they, you could tell that the voice actor like messed it up a little bit, and they just left the recording in. They didn't mm-hmm. like go for a clean take. That's very funny. Yeah, wow. and they do that for a few other characters too. Interesting. And because of just the general vibes of the game, that's not like it's unfinished. It just works with it being a very silly meta kind of experience. That's interesting. Even, there's literally a moment where the developers themselves appear, and it's not like they're in the game. It's literally a video of the developers just popping up randomly wow. to explain the joke to the player. Oh, good. Listen, I, that's helpful for me because I often need things to be explained to me. Honestly, so uh, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't a very funny joke either. So them appearing is just the best part of that to me. That's really interesting. I'll, yeah. I'll have to... I'll have to... I'm... Okay. So you say it's... You're, you said you're about two hours in and you feel as though you're nearing the end of it? I feel like I'm getting pretty pretty close to it, yeah. Again, okay, I, I haven't might, actually beaten the game, so I can't confirm. But um, yeah, just, I think you definitely for... get, get a kick out of it, Cameron. I listen, Campbell. What you're describing all sounds pretty fun to me. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna look this up really fast because it's, uh, uh, 14 bucks, I believe, or 15. Yeah, it's not nothing. Yeah, it's I, not I, nothing. I, I might wait for this one to go on sale. But this, like, that's that's for for again, again, for such a unique experience. I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, uh, like yeah. they're taking a risk. They're trying something weird and new. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, maybe down the line, I'll, I'll check this one out. Um, Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you'll it sounds like you'll have nothing but positive things to say about this game unless it like really screws up in, in your last couple of hours here with it. Um, yeah, the ending just ruins everything. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, like it gets super serious. It's like actually, uh, we oh want to talk God. to you about cancer. Like what? The hell? <laughs> like, bug snacks. Um, yeah, right, oh, oh my no. God. If it, if it pulls a, if it pulls a bug snacks on you. Um, oh dear. I don't even so know. So screwed it. up. Oof. Oof. Yeah, it'd be very funny. Um, well, awesome. Well, glad glad to hear that Once Upon a Jester is uh, is 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 uh, have is resonating with you. I think that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, report back with Harvestella. Um, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it, it does something interesting in the next couple of hours here. But we'll we'll, we'll find out. Um, uh, Campbell, I imagine you'll have something written about up about that within the next couple of days here. Yeah, but definitely by next episode, I'll have a little indie snippet out. Just okay, great. So uh, we won't. We won't. Uh, I won't ask you to, to shout out any uh, article titles then just yet. Um, <laughs> we could probably wrap it there, gents. Unless there's anything else, uh, Mark, you want to you want to add to the conversation here? Uh, I can give my God of War impressions. Uh, it'll probably be the game <laughs> no, of the year. No, Mark, not on this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we gotta start the uh, our podcast. We gotta start our PlayStation podcast. We we gotta get on that. Um, <laughs> Worst game of the year, Bayonetta three. 
Ooh, there we go. Um, that's more fitting. There we go. Actually, I don't. I don't think that's the worst game of the year. The worst game of the year was probably Ko the Kangaroo. I think Listen, that we, one we, might we've, be the worst. Uh, we've all got our. Hard. We've all played some <laughs> tough stuff over the, uh, this year. I'm free. Listen, for me, it was Balan last year, and I think I get a pass for the next couple of years personally. So, can that's, you believe uh, people are saying that game was misunderstood and is actually uh, amazing? No, that's what people are saying. Mark, this here's year. the thing: I, 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 I completely believe that because you know, in six months, there's going to be a. You know what? Retrospective. Three was actually uh, <laughs> really like, you bad. You know it's going to happen, Mark. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> oh yeah, of um, course. Let's uh, let's call it there. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron Dax, and you can find some of my writing over on Kubastop.com. I had a bunch of stuff published about God of War, Ragnarok, um, up on the website, and I will certainly write more about it because that game is just a, a font of inspiration. It's very good. Um, I'm over on Twitter at Action Daxon. Mark, where can people find you on the internet? Find me at the Markel. That, of course, is Mark with the C, Cal the K. You can find me over on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, over on the website for Kimbastomp.com. You can read my review for Bayonetta 3. Got some coverage for Mario Bros. Rabbids. Uh, and I'll have some stuff in the near future. That's all I could say. <laughs> That's very mysterious. I love it. Uh, Campbell, what about yourself? Yeah, you can find all my games writing over at Goombastomp.com. I've got an interview with one of the developers behind Gunbrella, uh, so yes. go give that a read. Gunbrella is just looking like an awesome developer digital game coming out next year, so go check that out to learn a little bit more about what makes that game tick. Also got an indie game spotlight that came up over last weekend, uh, so check that out. And uh, that's about it that I've got recently. And keep an eye out for my written review of Once Upon a Jester. If you want to follow go. me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at CampbellSkill, uppercase CSG. Lovely. All right. And, of course, NExpress is also on social media. We are on Twitter at NExpressNintendo, available to rate, review, you know, all that good stuff. Download over on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you for so much for blah, blah, blah. As I mumble my way through the end here, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.